Hi. I wanted to talk to you today about something. Uh, it's been really heavy on my heart. And what I'm trying to figure out is I've been sitting down with a lot of clients lately during the pandemic. Well, actually, we've been sitting down virtually and I've been going through their portfolios. And I got to tell you, I'm a little disgusted. And that's a big word to use off of someone else's portfolio. But it's really about looking and seeing that they they just didn't tend to it. It's it's almost like, you know, you have a car and you just drive it and drive it because you don't know that it needs an oil change. Right. It's just, well, I was just driving until something happened and then I would bring it in and then it get it worked on. And that's just that's just bad business. And I remember we were in the military and I remember back and I was 18 years old and they sent me over to uh, Germany. Right. And and in Germany, you know, I had never seen snow before. And and um, it was just a different experience. Never been on the Autobahn before. And one of the things that I noticed is every day they had us going to what we would call the motor pool. Right. And the motor pools where we had all of our vehicles, every single vehicle we had in our company was in the motor pool. And every day we didn't have after we did our physical training every day, we would line up, everybody would eat breakfast. The first place we had to go was to formation in the motor pool, right? Out of all places, we could meet in front of the company, we could meet um, behind the barracks or something like that, but every day we met in the motor pool. And the reason why we did that is because it was always about operational readiness. And what we would do is we would perform what's called uh, PMCS, and I still remember, preventive maintenance, uh, services on all of our vehicles. And the the funny thing about PMCS is we never wanted to do it because we always felt like it was something we just had to do. It's like, man, I got to do PMCS today. I just did it yesterday. I just did it last week. And, but we were always doing PMCS. And, and so one day, we were out and um, part of PMCS is just checking every single thing that can go wrong on a vehicle. And you're just checking it, make sure all the fluids are there and all that. And I say all of that because one day and uh, I was driving for the, 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 um, the company commander and my job was to drive a Jeep while everyone else's job was to drive these big old trucks. Right. And so and I was assigned to a unit that had tankers, right? Um, gasoline tankers, big tankers. The, the ones that you would see on the side of the road with all the fuel in them. And so we were out on a training exercise and um, we got stuck in a snowstorm going up to a training uh, site. But the, the thing that was most um, intriguing about this was there was only one way up the hill, right? And so you'd have to notify people via walkie-talkie that, hey, we got someone coming down or someone's coming up. And you had to make sure no one was on this road at the same time. So we get stuck on this road in a snowstorm. I, I can go on and on for days and explain to you what happened, what went wrong, how do we even get out? You know, it involved a helicopter and some other things. It was just a mess. It was an all-night adventure. And that's what I thought of when I started seeing these portfolios show up. And I says, hey, yeah, 
send me over, you know, a PDF of your stocks and send me over a PDF of your your retirement funds or your 401k statement. And so what I would do is I started looking at them and I've, I've had the time now to look at more than ever because I have more time than I used to have. I would, I would see, you know, a few appointments a week. Now I'm seeing a couple of, you know, maybe six or seven appointments a week when I would only do maybe two or three. So I'm doing twice as many because they're virtual. So, but the more I see these appointments, the more I I'm seeing these statements and the most disappointing part about most of it. And I'll just share it with you now is people have, I don't know, average of 10 funds. Let's just say they have 10 funds. So I look in there and if you don't know what a mutual fund is, I think I have a couple of courses. I think I have the suitcase course and I do some other things that kind of break down what is a mutual fund, right? Um, but this, let me just give you a high level view. So I'll see a client and they maybe have seven to 10 different mutual funds inside of their IRA or their 401k portfolio. Let me tell you what the challenge of that is. Let me give you a couple of things. One, most good mutual funds, they, they have a similarity across the mutual funds that they have a tendency to pick up the same very good companies. So if you have Walmart in one mutual fund, it's probably in another mutual fund as well. It's just a widely held stock and it's diversified, very good company, uh, largest retailer in the world, right? And so different funds like that. So the challenge with that is if you had 10 funds, you more than likely had Walmart and seven of them, right? And so that's a challenge, right? And it's like, well, I have the same fund. I'm here's another thing about it is you're paying for the maintenance fee and our marketing fee or 12B1 fee is what they call it as a marketing fee for them to market the mutual fund to make it attractive to others. That fee is being assessed to you 10 times. So you have 10 funds. Each fund has its own fee or 12B1 fee or marketing fee or management fee associated with it. And so you're paying that times 10. So you're paying to own one stock 10 times and paying for it 10 times. Right. And so, you know, that's the, one of the challenges in, in having and not knowing um, the way to structure your portfolio for maximum optimization. Right. And that's one of the things that I've learned how to do early on. And in my training and and um, some of the schools and the certifications I got, it says, hey, here's how you break down a mutual fund. Here's how you know that there's no overlap in that mutual fund. Here's how you make sure a customer is not paying twice, three times or 10 times for the same fund or the same stock that's inside of a fund. So that was one of the things that I started to see as I started. And I would always see them but I'm starting to see them more now because I'm meeting twice as many customers. I'm meeting with them and going over to portfolio and says, Hey, we need to make some adjustments. And the biggest question always comes out. Why? And then I'll say, well, why did you pick this? And I was like, I don't know because my cubicle mate, which doesn't really exist anymore because of COVID-19 is the person that sits next to me 
they selected that. So I selected it. I was like, oh, okay. So you guys live in the same household. You guys have the same financial DNA. The way she feels about an investment is the same way you feel about an investment. When she retires, that's when you're going to retire. Does she have the same financial obligations you have? Well, no. So why are you picking the same exact fund she's picking? Because it's it looks good or the name sounded good. So those were the things that I've started to see. And those are the things I started to address and and trying to optimize and maximize some of the portfolios that are put in front of me. Now, most clients will meet with me on two different ways. One, some will say, hey, you know, I just want to do a transaction. I want you to put together and optimize my portfolio for me and look at it and make sure that I'm doing and taking advantage of all the different things that I need to take advantage of. And so once I do that, then, and so that is the, 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 one of the things that I used to do. And, and, and when clients meet with me, they meet me on two, um, two occasions. One is transactional. And I, I'm just repeating myself because I lost a train of thought is they meet with me on transaction. Can you put this portfolio together for me? All I need you to do is this, look over my 401k, see if I'm maximized, see if I've done the things that I need to do. Right. And so I'll meet with them on a transactional basis. You know, they'll, I'll charge them a fee and I'll just put together a report for them and let them know where they should be and give them some advice on where they need to be moving and some things they need to eliminate and some things they need to add to their portfolio. Then I have, which that's a little bit more because those are one-offs, right? So, but I like to engage in relationships, right? Which are less expensive, but they get me for a longer term and a longer period of time. Um, I, I do lifetime coaching for people or I do retirement coaching. I coach people to retirement and they say, hey, you know, I'm seven years out. I said, all right, let me coach you to a successful retirement and making sure that you make the right moves. Anything shows up in the mail that you're unsure of, send that over, drop that in your in your Dropbox. I'll take a look at it on my end, things of that nature. So there's two different time, two, two types of clients that I meet with. It's transactional, right? Which I don't have a problem with. And then they're relational, right? The relationals is less expensive transactions are a little bit more, but do I have some transactions that turn into relational? Uh, absolutely. Right. They find out how good of a job I did. Then they want to want me to optimize their husbands or their kids and things of that nature. So anyway, so those are the types of things I do. But what happened is I'm seeing these portfolios again, have the multiple funds in them. That's a major red flag, right? I'm right off the bat. And I says, Hey, here's what you got. You know, you got this wrong, that wrong, this wrong, that wrong, this wrong, but you have this right and that right. Right. One of the other things that, and, and, and this is the last point I want to make in this particular podcast is another thing that I see in these, um, these portfolios is I'm seeing it heavily weighted to bonds, right? And if you've ever sat in one of my, my classes or um, I do have some grad students out there that still listen to me, um, even when my kids don't listen to me, right? So that's the funny thing about it is I still have grad students that listen to me. And so the things that I've shared with them and some people that I've shared with uh, at some of the workshops and seminars I've done all over the United States is I always tell people as they listen, 
you cannot retire off of bonds, right? And to break bonds down or just so that you know the difference between a stock and a bond, just on a high level, right? Bonds are debt, stocks are equities, right? And so when you when you hear the two together, that's because they go together, right? You can't have stocks without bonds, you can't have bonds without stocks. One is gonna get you the growth and gonna get you the movement, and the other one's gonna get you some, what we call in our industry, downside protection, right? And when you're buying other people's debt, um, in the, in the, in the form of a bond, right? My word is my bond. If I say, I'm going to pay you, I'm going to pay you. Uh, that's where that term comes from. But bond is you're buying uh, municipality debt, right? You're buying a hospital debt. You're buying a, a, um, a bond that's been issued by a state, right? And the state says, Hey, we're going to get these 30 year bonds. We're going to get everybody's money up front now, and we're just going to pay them interest payments over the next 15 to 20, 30 years. And so bond brings you in the income underneath the bottom. The equities go for the growth. So your stock goes for the growth. Bonds goes for the income. Here's the challenge with bonds. Um, and it depends on what kind of bonds you buy. I think I did uh, my retirement exit. I did that on, I did a series on that on a, one of the blogs that I wrote. And so I'll, I'll try to start bringing over some of my my blogs into uh, the financial evangelist's um, uh, system here. So I'm trying to bring some of the things that I used to do on an individual basis where I just purely talked about retirement. And I still have that podcast occasionally, uh, My Retirement Exit. Uh, I still do that podcast, but not as much as I do now with my financial evangelist, because my financial evangelist allows me to talk about everything, whether it's real estate, whether it's debt management, whether it's retirement, whether it's money management, whether it's stocks, bonds, what have you. So I feel better in this arena. Retirement is a specialized area, and I do have clients that only want retirement talk. And uh, I created that channel um, because I put that book out on, um, and I so I put the book out the retirement mistakes. I put that out on Amazon. And so that required me to, to start a um, blog and a podcast from that. But my true passion is kind of working in the financial area and the financial realm altogether. And so the, one of the challenges I said is my second point I wanted to make, and I'm kind of just giving you a background of where I'm coming from with all this when I started with the bond conversation. Because the bond conversation is one that gets people caught up. Met with a client about two weeks ago. I discovered that 70% of her portfolio was bonds, right? And so here's my challenge with a 70% portfolio for a person that says, hey, listen, I only really want to work another three or four years. I look at how much potential growth that they lost by just sitting in all bonds. And bonds is safety. It's security, right? It's it's what my wife would want, right? She doesn't want any risk, right? Um, her DNA, her financial DNA is a lot different from my financial DNA. I was like, oh, I'll take a little risk, right? As I get older, I'll take less risk, but I'll still take risk. My wife is, I don't want any risk at all. Just give me straight safety, straight bonds. That's all I want. The challenge with that is if you have a bond that's earning you, I don't know, 4%, let's say a bond fund, 
right? Most are funds when they're inside of your 401k or your IRA, they're mostly in the form of a bond fund, right? Which means that there's probably about a hundred to 200 bonds from all different walks, right? If it's a California bond fund, it has all California bonds, all municipal bonds inside it. They're going to have a bond from Fresno County. They can have a bond from, you know, um, other counties, Sacramento County, right? And so maybe there's all these bonds. They can have some hospital bonds in there, but they're from California, right? And so all of those bonds go into one suitcase, right? Um, and so if they're all in that one suitcase, and let's say it's about 200 of them, and they all average about, I don't know, 4%. Let's use that as a good round bond return number, which is a pretty safe number to use. So say all of your bonds are getting 4%. So you have a portfolio. Let's do a recap. You have a portfolio of 70% bonds. That's a challenge because you have 70% of your portfolios only earning 4%, right? And you can say, well, at least I'm earning something. That's a good argument. At least I'm earning something. But 70% of your portfolio, how no matter how safe you want to be, if 70% of your portfolio is only doing 4%, then you're missing the whole beauty of having, of being in the markets, right? You could have gotten a good growth and income fund. If you listen to my last podcast, um, I talk about the sweet spot of the growth and income, but if you, if you have a bond fund that's earning four percent the biggest challenge of that is inflation's growing at three percent right so we'll round up and give it three percent i think it's more like 2.7 2.8 2.75 if that's the case you're looking at three percent inflation right and so well you know inflation you know what is that really inflation is simple the price of cost of goods and services going up and increasing Right. Some people get what's called a cola or cost of living adjustment. They get a cola of about two point five percent an increase. I think Social Security sometimes pays your cola. Actually, I did. They do pay a cola, I think, because of the stimulus. I think they cut back on some of the, the colas that they've issued. Um, don't want to get off topic here, but a cost of living adjustment is around two point five to three percent. Right. So the cost of living adjustment means, hey, if the prices are goods and services are going up on average of about 2.5%, then we're going to give you a cost of living adjustment. So if inflation's growing at 3%, right? Hear me out. Inflation's growing at 3%. What's true inflation? Well, it's the erosion uh, of your purchasing power, right? I go buy a loaf of bread today. It's a dollar. I go back next year. It's a dollar three. Or it's still a dollar, just with less slices, right? So that's the purchasing power. Anybody that's been around at least five years to 10 years are old enough to know, understand that the cost of everything continues to go up. Our challenge with bonds, again, as I kind of bring this to a close, is having a portfolio of 70% bonds that's earning 4%. Let's do our recap. Well, if it's earning 4% and inflation's at 3%, then we're netting 
1%, right? Well, Mr. Jenny Jones, financial evangelist, you can't beat me. I know at least I got 1% return. Oh, that, that's great. On that average, it'll take you about 72 years for your money to double. But And that's okay if you got 272 years in you, right? And we don't. We only have 172 years in front of us, right? And so you made that 1%. Or did you? If your portfolio is spread out between 10 funds, each fund having a management fee and a marketing fee, uh, that's going to that's going to eat into that 1% that you made. Follow me here. You made 1%, you netted 1%. Inflation grew at three, you made four, you netted 1%. When the marketing fees come out for the mutual funds, when the management fee comes out for the mutual funds and any other fee that they may put on there, that's going to leave you with less than 1%, right? It's going to leave you less than 1% probably a quarter of a percent or maybe more that they'll take, but you'll have less than 1%. Let's say they even give you a half a percent, right? And so at that rate, you're not moving the needle because your portfolio itself is not keeping up with inflation. Your, your lonely portfolio that you've put together. So when I see somebody says, yeah, you've been at this company for 15 years and you've had this same setup of these bonds, right? You had these bonds, this same exact setup for 15 years. You know how much money you have lost. Oh, if I'm in the market, I'll lose money. Uh, Honey, if you're sitting in bonds, you're losing money, right? And it's just about getting with your financial advisor or your investment advisor, working through those things. Uh, I'm always still taking clients because I just love helping people reach out to me if you can and connect with me. But I wanted to share that with you. Those are the things that have been really bothering me. And it goes back to my stories of being in the military and just doing this preventive maintenance on your portfolios. A right, good, optimized portfolio should get you about 12%. Maybe 10% if it's a bad market, you run into a couple of swings, but at 10%, if you can average at least 10%, your money will double every seven years, right? Um, And so if you can average 7.2 years, so your money's doubling every 7.2 years. If you can average 10% growth, that's less of fees, less fees, less, less all that other stuff that they throw in there, right? You think managing all these mutual funds are for free? No, they're not. Right. And so those are the things that burn me up. Being doing some preventive maintenance on your portfolio is the thing to do. That's the new sexy thing to do with your portfolio. While you're sitting still, sitting at home, maybe your portfolio is still set, stuck at your old job. Maybe you got laid off. It's like, listen, I got laid off. I'm on unemployment or I'm I'm doing uh, driving and delivering food or what have you. I want my money to be working. Right. Or if I'm sitting at home and not on my own treadmill, I at least want my money to be on a treadmill moving faster than it should be. So um, I do have a couple of deals and different specials. I'm always running something new. Make sure you subscribe to my newsletter. Um, I think we do something over at Retirement Chat. I do have Retirement Chat. If you go to retirementchat.com, you can sign up for that. That is another uh, avenue is another way to connect with me, retirementchat.com. From there, I could possibly look at your portfolio on a transactional basis. 
and that, or you can just ask questions um, that you may have. And so that's what retirementchat.com will do for you. Um, I have a lot of big things coming up as far as I'm going to be, there's going to be some ways you're going to be able to reach out to me and work with me through ITV, through the Ruco box, through um, Apple um, app. I have a lot of things coming out for the people that are following the financial evangelist. I'm excited to share with you what I just shared with you on this evening, but that's one of the things that burned me up. So if you ever schedule a point with you, you better make sure that I don't see that. Um, uh, but I'll help you get over it. Right. And so those are the concerns you need to have. You shouldn't be having a concern about the economy. Those th that's what it's going to be. That's going to run through its cycle. You just need to be in position to make your money work and run as hard as it needs to run at this case in time. Uh, I enjoyed speaking with you on this day. This is Jenny Jones, the financial evangelist. Take care. Be safe out there. Bye for now.